Hello and welcome to Digital Surfing with Darren Smith, the podcast that dives into digital leaders' success and failures as they ride the wave of a career in digital business. Introducing our host, Darren Smith. Hi, I'm your host, Darren Smith, and every episode I'll be chatting to a special interviewee on what they've learned on their digital journey. Digital transformation and maturity is key to surviving in business today, and many people have a host of stories to tell about the successes and failures of digital projects they've been involved with. Let's go digital surfing. In today's episode of Digital Surfing, we have Richard and Mark from Refract. Refract is a call intelligence tool, and in this episode, we talk about the science of sales, why coaching and training is so important to sales success, and the technologies used in sales. So my experience with uh, salespeople, or at least the the way that I've thought about sales, is when I hire somebody, they're going to come with this black book of leads. And they start, I give them a day of training, tell them what our products are, why we're different, who our competitors are. And then I go off and tell them to sell. And I have fired so many salespeople because they have not done anything. They haven't even sold one, one service, one product. And, you know, the business that we're in now, I thought, you know, we are growing. I'm heading up the sales team. And being on every single sales call just, you know, didn't make sense anymore. And that's when I started look, looking into recording software and, and that type of thing. Came across Refract, onboarded with Refract, and it was very interesting, very useful. I, mean, I can listen to my sales team now. I don't have to be on uh, on all the calls. It's great kind of messaging around around coaching. But I, I was a little bit disappointed by the kind of the like, okay, so now I've got the technology, but how's this going to change my sales? And that led me to starting to read a lot. I read uh, your, your book, Mark and Rich. Um, it really I kind of opened my eyes into the world of sales science um, and sales methodology. And it's not just a black book, but the more and more people I speak to, the more and more people seem to have this tainted view uh, that I had of what sales is, that you come with a black book and you just sell. So I suppose uh, maybe my first question to Mark, um, you know, am I the only one with this, with this view of how sales works or is this a general view uh, out in the market? Um, I don't think you're alone. I'll, I'll, I'll put, put it out there. I don't think you're alone. I think there will be sales leaders out there that will expect to hire people. Um, you know, they'll look at that salesperson as a salary and they'll expect to return an investment and they'll expect that salesperson to, to go out and come back. You know, they might give them the rod, but they expect a, a lot back. So no, I don't, I don't think you're alone, but I do feel it's a dated view and, uh, and one that we'll obviously get into. Yeah. And yourself, Rich? I think a lot of, a lot of people have that mindset. People are salespeople are generally good interviewers as well. So they could come along and say, Oh yeah, I've got loads of contacts. I've got a big, you know, customer portfolio. Yet when it comes to reality that it's it's actually it's actually quite different. And I think the reality is a lot of salespeople, a lot of good salespeople these days, a lot of people with good potential don't necessarily have a you know a track record, a big, a big uh, black book of customers that they can sign up in the first few weeks and Actually, the, the 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 key is, which we'll, I'm, sure, I'm sure we're going to get into, is actually that, that that that's not important. It's actually how you how you actually you know develop that person, make them successful. Um, mm. But yeah, I think I think still today there is this mentality of 
hire great experienced salespeople who've been doing the job for years and surely they'll be okay. Uh, mm. Yeah, as you've experienced that uh, doesn't always work out that way. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, like, while, while you're speaking there, I'm like, maybe just to start off with, with giving us a bit of an overview of your journey through, through sales. Yeah, so I think me and Mark are reasonably a similar journey. We've worked together for, for quite some time now, you know, in the with different software companies. I started life as an SDR, as as it's known today. Uh, back then, it wasn't it wasn't known as an SDR. It was uh, it was a business development executive. In fact, was the, the the title, but it was essentially the same the same role. I fell into sales. Didn't grow up having any intention of being in sales. Went to university thinking I'd be some kind of IT, you know, computer software developer by the end of it, but I was too thick for that. So <laughs> I, um, I, I basically fell into sales, started life as an SDR. And I, I always kind of say to people at my, my start in sales, I totally honest, I totally winged it in the first, um, you know, 18 months or so. I probably got by just by kind of giving it a go and with a decent work ethic, but I didn't have any real training. I wasn't trained how to be a, a, a good salesperson in reality. And, you know, I probably since starting Refract and, and kind of working through the, being on the, on this specific leg of the journey, I've learned more about sales in the last, you know, three to four years than I, than I did in the, probably the previous 10. And that's because I think I had this, realization and we've had this realization at refract of hey like sales isn't just this thing that you kind of like just yeah you do learn through experiences but it is a science it is a process there is methodology um it is about understanding humans and uh yeah i, I think if i'd l- learned all that 13 14 years ago i would probably be much i've made a lot more money than i have up until this point but yeah that's kind of where you know, where I've got to today. Mark, I don't know if you want to uh, give your your kind of story. Something obviously very similar. Yeah, so my, my story is really similar. I had no intention of working in sales, never really considered it. I, I had a marketing degree, very much saw myself being a marketing professional. And I got my first job outside of university at a company called The Test Factory. And I found myself a desk next to Rich. Um, Rich was in that business development executive role. Sounds very uh, very flush, but it was, was as, you, as you say, the modern SDR. And it was my job to basically make the phone ring to create inbound leads and opportunities. And hey, I had somewhat success there, but I kept looking over at Rich and the sales team and there was this, I think I could do that. I think I could pick up the phone. I think I could have a conversation. And and that's not to, to downplay it because it's, you know, it's an incredibly hard job, but I felt like I could turn my hand to that. Um, but I never really did anything about it. It was it was my CEO at the time, and he's still our, our CEO today, Kevin. I think he I think he must have seen something in me. He sat me down and said, you know, I think you should give sales a go. I think I think that would work for you. I don't know if that's his way of saying give sales a go or you're going to have to find another desk. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, he sat me down. And I started off with like a, a little bit of a side project where basically I was going to create an event. So I was going to market an event and I was going to sell tickets. Um, and, and that's how it worked. And then one day I just woke up. I was, again, the equivalent of an SDR, sales development representative. And uh, I really, like Rich, I got through on hard work and a level of intelligence. And, and what I mean by that, and the, the ability to have a conversation with people, even though those people might have earned 100 
thousand pounds a year salaries in comparison to me. They might have been 30 years longer in the tooth than me. I could have a conversation with them. I'm not saying it was a great one, but I had the confidence and the knowledge and the ability to sort of think on my feet and ask questions. And, and I got by really with that and that alone. I, I probably made more mistakes than what I've ever realized. No one ever showed me what to do. You just learn with that mob mentality of other people around you. I didn't ever see sales as a skill or as a true profession. And I think in my early years, I, I was almost a little shy to tell people what I did for a living because I think that stigma that, that comes with it. Like, you know, I, I always make the joke, but I'm not joking. It's dead serious. My my stepmom, you know, she she honestly thinks I'm one of these people that phone people up, nuisance phone calls, PPI, <laughs> et cetera. No sort of regard for the profession or the job because I'm not out digging holes in the road. And I think that that stigma sort of does stick with you. So it was only really when I joined Refract and partnered up with Rich again, and I realized that actually, hang on, this is a skill. This is a profession. Mm -hmm. This is saying that, you know, this is a craft. Um, you know, I got really into it. You know, I read, read a lot, watched a lot, studied a lot. And most importantly, I got coaching, coaching every week. Sometimes it was really brutal. Sometimes it made you question if you were any good. Um, but, but ultimately, I'm 33 now. I've been in sales since I was 21. And like Rich says, I've learned more in the last four years than I have mm. in, in the previous all combined. So it's been, it's been one hell of a journey, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that story or that stigma about sales, uh, I can totally relate to. I think of the amount of people that have that have said things like, well, it doesn't matter if you can't afford university, you can really talk easy to people. So you can just be a salesperson or, hey, you can drink a whole load of beer. So like, you know, that's all about relationships in sales. So you, you're sorted. You, you can just be a salesperson. But there isn't a degree. There isn't anything that you can go and become a, a certified salesperson. So it sounds like, you know, mark, switching from marketing over, over to sales that, day one you were just expected to know how to sell absolutely and i think although there was the the understanding that i was new to the role results were expected you know you had a target straight away you had a whiteboard that you were expected to fill up i think what you were saying there i don't know if this phrase will translate but it's the gift of the gab i've heard that my whole yep. life mark you've got the gift of the gab and and it really bothers me that because mm. I don't feel like that's a quantifiable thing. I don't actually feel like that's a compliment. It's just saying that you can talk and, and sales is a whole lot more than that. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Richard? I think if you could make loads of money in sales just by being confident and chatty, then why wouldn't every confident person be doing the role? It's, you know, I, I there's so many of these just, quite frankly cringeworthy phrases that still exist in sales like they're, all, they're almost like the old wives tales of sales the whole like you know people buy from people that they like and you know he, he can sell ice to the Eskimos and all this kind of nonsense I think sales has moved on a lot <laughs> over the past few years you know I, I, people buy from people they like I mean let, let's just let's just take that as an example I I, I had a prospect recently that said that for all intents and purposes, had a decent relationship with, had known for some time, ended up buying from a competitor and said to me afterwards, I really want to buy from you, Rich, because I, I really like you. But, you know, you guys just didn't have this specific feature that they do. Mm. And I just said, well, there's, there's 
that's a great that's a great example of where people don't buy from people they like people buy on their own yeah. based on their own wants and needs and um you can you can have all the the, the sort of good friends you like in sales it doesn't increase the chance of people buying from you that's why sales is all it's a it's a process it's about asking the right questions it's about understanding who's a good fit for you who isn't it's about building trust with prospects and i think again there's it just comes back to maybe the, the sort of overarching topic that we're talking about of hey this isn't just about hire people who are outgoing and you know seem to do a good interview we have to master sales we have to master sales conversations we have to understand what happens when we ask these questions or what happens when we ask this process or when we position things like this we tend to get a better response from prospects versus when we position it like that or when we use this type of language seems to get better responses from prospects versus when we Mm. say things like this that stuff needs to be taught needs to be coached needs to be nurtured into individuals and unfortunately if you're just having the approach of okay, I've hired you, go away and do the job. You're just setting, you're setting yourself up for failure as well as the people that you're working with. And, you know, there's, there's all the data out there and the, that shows the just tangible and undeniable impacts of regular dynamic coaching of how it increases win rates, how it increases your retention of your best sales hires. So if you're not mm-hmm. investing time doing it, then you're forever on this hamster wheel of just hire and fire, hire and fire. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about you, but certainly for me, I remember very little from my university degree. And I saw, uh, Rich, I think it was somebody in your team or Mark, maybe your team, I can't remember. They posted something on LinkedIn that I saw this morning about uh, the loss of, of what you've learned over time. It had a fancy name. I can't remember what it was called. It was a graph. Yeah, the, forget, the forgetting curve, I think it's called or something similar to that. Yeah. So even like, I mean, even if you were to go and get a degree in whatever, I mean, if you don't have that ongoing coaching, you're not going to remember what you've learned anyway. I make that, that curve, uh, I make it, it, it looks pretty legit, that, that data. I think um, sales training as we know it, in my, my opinion, this is the kind of the old, it, it, is dead. I, as I say, it's dead as in its impact, but companies will still, you know, spend a few thousand pounds, dollars, to send their salespeople off to a training course for a week because it makes them feel good about themselves. Oh, if I send them away, they'll come back and they'll, they'll put it into practice. It's just, it's, it's never worked. and It still doesn't work. People know it doesn't work yet. People will still spend money on it to, to do it because it makes them, makes them feel better. Mm-hmm. Learning sales is just like driving a car. When I was learning to drive, you could never just put me in a classroom and say, right, watch these videos on how to drive a car. And here's the theory and here's the, you know, here's all the, the ways of the road. Like you learned by getting behind the wheel and having someone sit there next to you, observing what you were doing, giving you feedback on whether it was your clutch control, whether it was like your, how you looked in the, the mirrors um, and you made mistakes and you reviewed it and you put it into practice and you got, you got better. And that's how you pass your test. You don't pass your driving test by sitting in a classroom and it's the same with anything it's like you you're trying to learn and develop any sort of practical skill you don't learn by just going sitting and listening to someone for two days or three days you learn by doing observation tweaking refinement overhauling feedback it's a constant loop and you know i think that's what a lot of people aren't investing time doing i think just 
Sorry, I was going to say, Dan, like, to, to build on that, um, I was having a thought just the other day, and this is a LinkedIn post that I plan on writing. When I was learning to drive, this is what's triggered this memory. My instructor just casually, Ray Tan um, was his name, probably dead now, bless him. Um, he, he said, just very casually, when we was approaching my test, it's rare, but you can have your instructor come on the test with you if you want. It's not normal. And I immediately was like, absolutely, I want you in the back of the car for the test. And he, and he kind of almost trying to backtrack. He was like, well, you sure? That's extra pressure. I'm going to be there. And I just looked at him and I said, Ray, if you're with me, you can spot where I go wrong and, and help me fix it. And he was like, okay, you seem pretty sure. I was like, absolutely, Ray, I want you in the car. Went mm. to the, te- the test centre and um, went to get up and I was so nervous. Like I was absolutely petrified. I was stalled getting off the, the drive. It was a nightmare, right? Um, spoiler alert, I failed the first time. Anyway, I, I forgot to mention to this examiner that I wanted Ray to come with me. And he just sort of went, Mark, and then I turned around and went, oh Christ, Ray, can my instructor come? And the bloke went, oh, well, this seems like it's his idea. I don't think this is a good idea. Like he seems to be pressuring you. I was like, no, 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 I just forgot. I'm so nervous. Can I have him in the car, please? Anyway, he come in the car. And it, and I say I was so, I was I was rubbish, right? Spoiler alert. I, I think I got four majors, so that wasn't going to end well. And you're still on the drive anyway. But here's here's the thing: Ray was with me, so my next lessons were all about that test, trying to recreate that nervousness. It was trying to recreate exactly where I mucked up. We went to the same points, the same roundabout. I mean, there was one roundabout. First of all, I was in the wrong lane approaching it. I went across three lanes. Secondly, I didn't bang the indicators on. And then I cut someone up. There's three majors in one, one segment. So we spent a lot of time at that roundabout. But it was all about having someone with me to show me what I didn't know. And without Ray in the car, I would have just had to have gone back afterwards and gone, I don't really know where it's gone wrong. Ray, like, here's my sheet. And we'd have had to have worked out together. But having Ray Tan with me in the back made it easier for the second time. Yeah, you know, and I think... What comes to mind is evolution, right? So with traditional training, you know, you get taught one way and it's the only way. But I mean, this podcast is very much around digital, digital businesses. And there's got to be multiple ways to sell a SaaS product, multiple ways to engage with a prospect or a lead. And you know, I think if you're taking kind of a coaching methodology and, and, and keeping up with maybe someone, maybe Rich has an amazing experience. He says something by accident and everybody should start saying that because it's it's great. And, and that way your, your training evolves as opposed to like kind of, I get my degree today and I'm going to do the same thing every single day the same way. Would you kind of agree with that? 100%. There's different ways to do it. One thing I always say to my team, so we've got a real strong coaching culture at Fract where they get coaching from me, they get co- they coach each other, they get coaching from the CEO. And sometimes there will be this, oh, well, that's not what Kevin said, or oh, that's not what Rich says. And I always say to them, like, listen, sales isn't maths. If you ripped up all the sales books and ripped up all the maths books in a thousand years time, they'd, they'd come back, the maths books would be exactly the same because, you know, that maths is maths is, is, is fact sales the books would be different because we would have learned so much more in that time there'd be old school thinking and, and stuff so like it is all about finding different approaches and making it work for you you've got to be authentic in sales is, is definitely my opinion like you you can smell a sequence a template a script <laughs> particularly when it's not done well and it's about giving someone the structure and the guidance and best practice but then go and find your own style yeah 
Yeah, for sure. So Rich, what would you do differently if you had to do all of this again? First of all, I'd learn, I'd learn about a sales process. Like what, where, what, where would you learn that? Well, this is the thing. When I was, when I started in sales, I didn't have access to the literally the, the plethora of freely available information there is today. Like the stuff that is available on demand today, one wouldn't have been as available, but secondly would definitely not have been free back when, we, when I was starting in sales. If you were new to sales today, you could spend a week basically just reading content on LinkedIn, following up good, credible people say, watching videos on YouTube, you know, you could be a year ahead of where I were, you know, of, in a month of where it took me 12, 18 months to probably get to that stage, maybe even longer mm-hmm. because of the amount of stuff that's readily available. And this is what kind of frustrates us about people who don't invest in their own kind of development today. They don't realize how much stuff is actually available to make them successful in sales just off their own back. This is before you rely on other people to help you out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I, I would start there. But the second thing is I would kind of like, demand more demand more access to coaching as an individual because it's, it's the only way that you can get better mm. is by having someone to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are and to help you continuously develop it's like any discipline in life like people invest so much time and effort in hobbies and have you know they have like people hire personal trainers to lose weight and they get great results typically when they hire a personal trainer because they're, they're working directly with someone who understands what they're strong at, what they're weak at, gives them pointers, helps them understand where they can get better. And like, it's the same with sales. If you have that coach that works with you on a regular basis, you get better results. So I'd start there. I think I'd make, make use of the plethora of content that's readily available today um, from a self-development perspective, but I also demand more of that coaching um, I think everybody everybody needs in sales and not everybody gets it, but I think people don't shout about it and demand it enough from their employers. And Mark, what would you do differently? Um, I, I think if, if I could have my time again, I would definitely make myself more conscious of this is a skill and this is something you can perfect. One thing I don't think anybody would ever say about me and same with Rich is I'm, I'm no one would ever say question my work rate. I feel like I've always worked hard, but I think because I didn't feel like sales was a skill, I didn't feel like sales was a profession. I didn't do anything about it outside of nine to five, you know, nine to five, you got all of my effort and attention and I, I would put a good day's work in, but outside of work, I kind of felt like, well, this isn't a skill. This isn't a profession. There's nothing I can really do. And I did try, I read a couple of books and in, in truth, I've always struggled with sales books. I feel like a lot of sales books are unrelatable. They, they are written by people that have closed like 5 million pound sales. They're written by people that have got these massive egos. And, and, and like you say, you can't, quite put into practice what they're doing and and also i kind of feel like they're like three to four hundred pages and they could be 50 pages it's just the mm. same point over and over again so the one book that i did read was a book called the sales bible by jeffrey gitmer like it's a really old sales book but that was one of the books that actually felt quite actionable for me um so i think to summarize if i had my time again rich is on the money like linkedin was an online cv 
platform. That's what it was when we started out. Now there are hundreds of amazing people that you can follow that literally give content away for free. Literally, they spend their time writing content that you can just consume for free about how to be a better salesperson. They all, there's loads of YouTube videos. There are there are podcasts galore. Like podcasts just didn't exist, right? I, I still had a bloody mini disc player when I started off in sales. <laughs> I, I remember getting my first iPod. So there's so much out there. And I think if I would have realized this is a skill, this is a profession, I would have done more outside of work to craft and perfect that. I would have consumed more if that would have been available. And like Rich said, demanded more from my boss. You know, my, my, my boss was, was, was a very successful sales rep, but all, all she saw me as was a lead generator, send this email. I remember a couple of times I'd edit the email. Like, Why have you done that? I've told you that's not the right email. And, and you can't, okay. And it's like, well, <laughs> that again kind of may reinforce this wasn't a skill. It was kind of like, just keep working hard and, and turn, turn the cogs and enough will come out. But yeah, I think what I'm ultimately saying is I'd, I'd have invested more realizing it's a skill and a profession to be proud of. Rich, I'm interested in, in the Reflex story. It sounds like you guys were working somewhere else before. Is the frustrations where you were working before led to Refract? What led to the kind of initial idea and where it's got to now? I think the, the idea kind of stems from some of the stuff that we've been talking about already with the fact that so many salespeople face is like, hey, here's a, here's a phone, you're hired, make it happen. And then you've got no idea what happens in that sales conversation. You've got the sales rep has no way of gaining any meaningful feedback on what they're doing well, where they're going wrong. I used to personally get quite frustrated when I was, you know, when I was in my previous company, again, trying to kind of learn the ropes when it came to sales, the experienced, more experienced salespeople than me, they would have a demo scheduled. They'd get a demo time, they'd, they'd stand up, they'd lift their laptop up, they'd, they'd walk into a meeting room, close the door behind, and then they'd come out an hour later. And I was always like, oh, I, I want to hear what, what happened in that demo, especially if they were closing lots of deals. Mm-hmm. I want to know what are they doing? But you never, you never got the answer. You, n- you never got invited along. It was always kind of, hey, I'm going to keep this quite hush-hush how I sell. And it was massively frustrating. Surely the best way to learn is by figuring out what the best salespeople are doing in your team and just trying to do some of what they're doing. But that problem has kind of ex- been expedited massively with the, uh, the pandemic where sales reps more than ever are cut off from their team members. So they're not, they're not even sat in their office next to their colleagues and kind of overhearing what they're, what they're seeing in, in, in calls, demos, whatever else. So yeah, so that's kind of a lot of the drivers behind building the platform, which was like, hey, we need to, we need to find a solution for A, helping man- time-pressured managers who want to be coaching more but can't be available to join calls live and, and such like and give them the ability to review and understand how their reps are selling in practice. For sales reps to figure out what's leading to success in the team today and how can you just share that share sales conversations and knowledge and expertise and data across a, across a team and ultimately make it, make it more data driven as far as like, you know, how people are selling and what is leading to success and what are the things which work better than others. And that's really a lot of the, the drivers as to, you know, why we, why the, the company was started and the whole idea behind the technology and, it's, it's amazing what has happened to this category of conversation intelligence. What was started six years ago as a category that didn't exist. Nobody knew about it. Nobody had a clue 
why would you want to record and analyze sales calls to it's now became almost like a table stakes tool for many companies and you know it's still quite an early adopter technology but i think people have realized that hey recording calls isn't just something that happens in call centers it's actually if we want to get better at sales it's 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 an evolution of the old ride along that used to happen back in the days where the sales manager used to go out with their sales rep in the field you know and kind of sit quietly in, in the corner of the room and watch the salesperson in the sales meeting i mean that that method's flawed anyways. The sales leader would just typically take over the meeting anyway and the salesperson wouldn't learn a thing. But also like the whole world of selling's changed. Like how many people right now are actually meeting people face-to-face, shaking hands, traveling around the country? It's, it's just not mm. happening. We're, we're in the realm of virtual selling now and, and, and that's why, you know, this is so key to modern day sales. So the product in particular, I mean, like, there must be artificial intelligence. It's like a very advanced product. I mean, was there like in a year, two-year period where you were just developing? And how did the product like kind of evolve from initial idea into something that's actually sellable? Yeah, it had has came a long way. You know, that in the start there was no artificial intelligence, there was no call transcription, there was none of that stuff. It was literally the the initial concept was here's a recording, leave some feedback on that recording. It was as basic as that, really. Um, Mm. And then I think what we learned over time is that, hey, we need to make it easier for calls to actually get into Refract. Back then, you had to literally manually upload files to the platform. Fast forward to today, where we literally have about 100 different integrations with various video conferencing platforms, VoIP solutions, telephony platforms to make the, the flow of conversations into Refract seamless. Um, we also figured that actually the whole process of finding relevant calls to listen to or even listening to certain calls, is quite time consuming for pressured managers. And that's when we realized that we needed to move into, hey, we need to start using AI to transcribe calls, make it easier to find and search for calls based on certain keywords or topics of conversation, alerting managers to calls rather than having them come and find them. So it has, you know, the, the product has came on so much in that space of time to, hey, we need to make this, first of all, just easier for managers, time-pressured managers and sales leaders to, to quickly get access to the, the conversations that they care about, but also just making it a tool that salespeople love to use, that they mm. actually feel that they become quite reliable on as far as helping them be more productive and thorough with managing their deals, managing their conversations with prospects and yeah, it's been been quite a uh, quite an evolution over that time period. Okay, so then the next question I have is for Mark because Mark, you started saying your initial job was in kind of lead generation in marketing, right? And you know, I think a lot of SaaS companies, a lot of digital companies, you know, fall in love with their product, develop and 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 so on, and just believe that with a bit of marketing, the customers will come. And most most of these digital products. SaaS products, you can enter your credit card detail, sign up online, and people just buy. Now, especially when like there's this new concept of like product-led businesses where the product is amazing. And I'm like, we are a user of Refract, it's amazing. So from a sales perspective, did you always have the sales team? Did was it initially kind of completely marketing driven or, or was it initially completely sales driven? How did how did the evolution of the actual go-to-market happen with uh, with Refract? 
Yes, it's a really interesting point. And I would say we've probably done it in a way that a lot of SaaS companies might consider to be the wrong way around. Because here's the thing, like you say, a lot of digital companies, SaaS companies, they build the product, they have some marketing campaigns, leads will come in, they might have um, a free model, like freemium, they might have free trials, etc. Um, and they'll convert you and then try and upsell you. The, the challenge is, or I should say the challenge was, when we started out, as Rich just said a couple of minutes ago, like this was this wasn't even a thing. People didn't know this existed. So people weren't looking for it. People were people just living in ignorant bliss. You don't know what you don't know. You, you don't always know that you've got a problem or you know you've got a problem, but you've got no idea that there's a solution out there. You know, six, seven years ago, there'd have been managers sitting there every night frustrated, talking to their partner about their team and not going to hit target or their team are going to miss the quarter and they're not going to get the bonus and they're not going to be going on their holiday. But they wouldn't have thought, well, let me go and Google a platform that's going to let me understand why my team aren't going to hit target. Let me Google a platform and so I can see what it is my top performers are doing in their meetings where they're locked away in their meeting rooms. So we focused on what we're, we're good at. Uh, and, you know, that's me and Rich and we've got another colleague, Stu, and we really was like outbound sales. So first of all, there was quite a piece here. We were having to find people and I would say 99 times out of 100 having to educate them on the problem they may or may not have before we even spoke about Refract. And, and you know, listen, it was a tough gig. Um, there were people that got it, of course, and, and you know, it was like showing um, a caveman fire many times, but there are other people that were just well, this is, this is too out there for me. I've never seen anything like this before. So there was an education piece. And, and we have seen that change. You know, now we get lots of inbound leads. We get people downloading our collateral. People are looking for the content that we're writing. LinkedIn's a great uh, source of, of leads for us as well. But we, we have always been outbound sales first. But now it's not so much educating. You, know, you pick up the phone and people are like, yeah, I've heard of you guys, or yeah, I'm aware of this. I'm looking at this, or I've already got a product. But you know, let's let's understand how you're different. The market has just woken up over the last three, four years. And but here's the thing: like I say, the market is still a very small percent. Like this space is just going to grow and grow and grow. Um, mm. But yeah, we, we are we are now, I would say, very evenly split. Like we've got a great sales team, we've got a great marketing uh, funnel but it's not always been that way. Yeah, I love what you say there. I mean, like, I think our consultancy, we, we help a lot of businesses grow, find customers, that type of thing. But so many of them are selling innovative products. And even if somebody was searching for something online, they're searching for the old way of solving that problem. So the example I always use is if you have a problem with you know, trying to get additional staff, grow your team, you might go and uh, you know search for a recruitment agents. You might go and search for temporary workers to come and help your HR team. You don't know that there's an HR bot that exists. You're not searching HR bot. And so often when we do marketing and sales for, for our customers, they say, well, why aren't you writing about our product? Why aren't these blog posts about our product? <laughs> and uh, you've know, you got to explain, well, nobody knows about, about you. You've got to talk about the old way to attract them into the, into the new way. So, Rich, I've, talking about people and hiring, I have seen a lot of posts on LinkedIn now that I'm connected to you guys um, about welcome this new starter. It sounds like your sales team is, is growing very, very fast. How have you structured that sales team? 
Yeah, so we've made um, a couple of a couple of little tweaks. I mean, we're, we're not we're not too at its at its core. We're not too dissimilar to many kind of atypical um, SaaS and tech, you know, outbound sales teams where we have SDRs who are out there, you know, really looking to create that demand, create those initial well-qualified opportunities with, you know, people who can take on those opportunities and kind of take them from discovery through to, through to closing. One of the changes that we've made as of this year is as we look to rescale the teams is to create more of a, we call these a claim structure. The idea actually came from our parent company, Lego, uh, who adopted this, where they have this concept of like war planes, if you like, um, where each plane has the kind of head of that plane and you have, you know, account executives and SDRs attached to that plane and Mark has his own plane, so to speak. And then the idea is that you can just create more and more planes over time and you have real focus attached to those planes because rather than just have, you know, a load of SDRs just randomly prospecting for different people. You've got people really attached to a to a shared vision in that plane, but also you're benefiting from the, the the management, the coaching, the leadership in that plane too. So it's still quite early days for us having that specific structure, but but yeah, it's nothing really too too more complex uh, more complex than that. And we we've got some um, plans. You know, we see partnerships being a really big. Um, you know, we get we get a lot a lot of deals that we close come from like our networks and referrals, and um, mm. I think we've got a big opportunity within, the, in, within partnerships. And so one of the plans that we've got this year is to hire a you know, full time partnerships manager mm. who can ultimately be part of the sales team that you know they're going to be sales mm. focused they're responsible for prospecting partners and working with them and creating demand that way so so yeah fairly straightforward structure at the heart of it and and do each of those planes have like an industry focus or territory or anything like that or is it everything's fair game i mean they, they have they have kind of some autonomy as far as here we want to be maybe especially focused in this specific industry this week or this month but again that's really dictated by the the sales director who heads up that plane you know we we have as a business we have our icps like we know who our ideal fit customers are and that's a constant thing that we're always evaluating so we will always no matter what plane you're on at the heart of it you've still got our core icps that everybody knows are the best fit customers who become our most successful customers and the ones that we invest the time you know contacting right and then You've got, and, and I'm not sure people kind of classify these differently, but you've got the SDR, BDR concept that we've spoken about. Now there's the kind of outbound prospecting that you guys have spoken about, kind of really kind of practicing what you preach and going after that, that side of things. Those inbound leads that marketing are generating, are they treated by the same team or is it a different or a different structure? How does, how does it differ between the two? Yeah, so we, we have got SDRs that focus on inbound leads and SDRs that focus on outbound leads. So the inbound SDRs, they actually are separate from the plane structure and they are basically top up the planes as and where relevant and as calendars align. But yeah, they're, they're, they're different conversations. I mean, obviously there's a lot of overlap and a lot of similarities, but but ultimately we split out inbound and outbound and they top up the planes as and where they need it. One of our last questions going into kind of other technology that you guys use and so obviously you're using your own product but you know when it comes to sales there is a ton you can very quickly subscribe to a ton of SaaS products what are you using in your kind of tech stack we got quite a few haven't we rich i do feel like actually we've got 
an enviable tech stack for, for anyone that comes to our team. So listen, I'm, I'm not going to remember them all, but Rich, I'm sure we can between us. Um, we purchased outreach. So that helps with our sequences, our cadence and, and really focusing of the day. We, we've got HubSpot from a marketing point of view. We've got Membrane from a, a, a deal management point of view, like managing deals through the sales process. Uh, we've got Lead IQ um, for, for finding leads, but we've also got a couple other data platforms. Don't we, Rich? Like you've signed up a couple recently. Yeah. So um, Bohurst is, is one. It's like a quite comprehensive uh, data platform for UK. Just about to go live with a product which not many people have heard of called GoodFit, which is uh, really designed to be a platform that really helps to focus on very specific facets of best fit customers um, and can get you essentially kind of scrapes the web to look for companies that meet very specific kind of good fit sort of uh, attributes of, of people that you uh, that you want to contact um, mm. and then we yeah we use you know products like zoom for video meetings and but L- loom as well we got air call for, for inbound calls like the, the, yeah. there is loads there yeah yeah so yeah quite a lot and i think you know, it's a kind of a blessing and a curse. You know, you've got all these tools to make use of. The key is using them properly, having, mm. as, many, having as many of them tied together as possible, connected as possible. And, uh, and and ultimately, any tool is only as good as how you use it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose that comes down to the additional sales training and coaching because uh, there's, there's best practice on how to use each of these tools, even something as simple as LinkedIn. There's best practice on how to how to use that. Yeah, LinkedIn Sales Navigator was the another yeah. one you just reminded me there. So. Um, all right, so last question to both of you. Um, Mark, we can start with you. The piece of advice you would give your younger self. How, how young are we talking? <laughs> uh, let, let's say that 21-year-old. 21. Um, don't drink calorie-filled soft drinks. Um, avoid <laughs> carby foods, exercise more. But um, if, we're, if we're going down the, the professional route, then um, it, it, would, it would be to see sales as a profession, be really proud of that profession, see it as a craft, and don't just rely on your ability to, to speak and have confidence and ask questions. You know, go out there and, and find content and, and educate yourself. But I think the other thing as well that is is use your friends and like when i say friends i say friends because my colleagues are friends we've worked together for like 10 years i mean use your colleagues right talk to them about what's working talk to them about what's not working that'd be so easy particularly in a remote world for sales and a bad call and try and bury that we're really proud we don't want to tell people we've had a bad call but actually like you learn from your mistakes you don't actually learn that much from success so share what's working share what's not working talk through situations and try and problem solve together i think everyone's trying to do the same job and one of the things that we can do in sales is, is isolate ourselves and try and take on the world by ourselves. So it, for me, it's all about education and, and where you get that from, your, your network, your friends, your colleagues, uh, the internet, etc. But ultimately seeing sales as a profession and one that you can, uh, you can craft and, and fine tune. Awesome. And yourself, Rich? Uh, quite simple for me is um, learn how to ask great questions. If I figured that out, if I'd spent more time focused on that than learning on how to deliver a great presentation or thinking I was delivering a great presentation when I wasn't really, I would have been so much further along. 
if I just le- if I just learn how to master asking great questions in sales, I would be uh, I would have more money in the bank than I do now. Put it that way. I think that's a great piece of advice. I I read um, it's an old classic, but uh, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie, brilliant book. It's so difficult to do. Uh, like that one chapter where he says, "Go to a dinner party and not speak about yourself once." Is it's it's incredibly difficult to just ask questions the entire night. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's it's true. I think um, genuine curiosity is something that not a lot of salespeople have being able to literally be super interested in what prospects are saying, being able to really respond specifically to what's being said versus keeping things on their own agenda. I, I, I can be bad for it sometimes. It is, it's such a difficult thing to master, but you, you know, we just ties back to everything we've said. Sales is not this skill that people are just born with. You know, they, mm. you, you have to practice, you have to master it because it's, you know, good, Good selling is not easy. Um, So, yeah. Cool. Well, awesome. Thanks so much, uh, Mark and Rich, uh, joining me today on Digital Surfing. It's been really, really awesome finding out about your journey and uh, about sales and the technology that you're using. Cheers, Cheers, Darren.